0: All righty, I'm gonna go ahead and pray, and then I'm gonna start talking, and then after five short points, we can all go uh, eat some food and get back in our PJs. Cause I'm telling you, when I woke up this morning, like the rain was on the roof. You walk outside, and there's mushy leaves. This is this is what heaven's gonna look like. I know all the all the summer people are out there. My mom, my mom would shoot me, but. fall is just the best weather ever. Let's pray. Um, Lord, pray that you'd give us um, your words. Lord, that what we hear today is not the best thing that man can come up with, um, but instead, Holy Spirit, that you would use your word and you would speak something into into our hearts. Lord, that anything that I'm bringing to the table that's not inspired by you, Lord, that it easily be forgotten. Um, But Lord, anything that you have to say, Lord, pray that you would bring it to our minds and establish a firm foundation of of what you would have us build on. Lord, we bless you in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, A couple of announcements. Um, So Wednesday nights are fun. Um, We had a crew here Wednesday. So if you would love to join us Wednesday, I would love for you to run out to uh, the lobby and get signed up and let us know that you would love to eat with us. We're gonna eat at six o'clock. It's gonna be $5. And that uh, extra $2 bump is just, we're having to do do things a little bit differently. All the meals are individually kind of wrapped. And so it's a little bit of an extra cost and it helps all of our people making change. Um, $5 is easier to make change uh, than $3. But if you don't have it, we're not going to kick you out. (laughs) If you ever come to the church hungry, we're always going to feed you. So go out in the lobby and get signed up on that or if you want a gold star, you can just go online on our website and get signed up um, digitally. That way you can put your information in and no one has to even handle that dirty, nasty money. So that is easier. I am um, envisioning as we're sitting here, like all of our, our women's group is in Pigeon Forge. We've got all of our teachers that are on fall break. So it's, it's just us. And how cool would it be if we were Sipping some apple cider or eating some chili on the front of a log cabin, slow rain, just hanging out. I think a lot of the times that when we when we engage in worship um, because of what we have created worship to be, it is more concerty than than like the the church originally had it, but think about like all the love languages that that we experience as humans. Um, Uh, that Chapman book has five love languages. I don't think it's an exhaustive list. You know, sometimes my love language is video games and I speak the, you know, the language of video games. So, but we have this idea of like our words of affirmation, the things that are coming out of our mouth, our acts of service, our quality time, gifts and um, physical touch. And I think a lot of the times when we come into worship, it feels like the Lord is specifically communicating one way or another. You know, some Sundays or some, you know, times of worship that it, you know, it's just me and the Lord, they're real words of affirmation heavy. You know, I've got a lot of words that are spilling out of my mouth. And sometimes it's, you know, it's just about the feeling, Lord, I want to feel your presence. You know, and sometimes it's, you know, we roll up our sleeves and we get busy. We prune hedges and we paint walls and and our worship is an act of service. But for me, I don't know about you, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but for me today has felt just like a quality time. I'm just like, I don't have anything that I need to tell the Lord. I don't have any major, you know, crises that I need the Lord to show up and manifest. So like all through worship, I'm like, well, can I just sit here? enjoy each other's company. You know that that part of your relationship with somebody that you no longer have to talk and you can just like, we're just occupying space with each other. It's a good place to get with the Lord. It has nothing to do with what I'm actually going to talk about. What I'm actually going to talk about is Joshua. So for the month of October, we're going to just spend a few weeks just kind of bulldozing the, the high points of Joshua. If you would like to read through Joshua, it's it's one of those fun books. There's a lot of violence and bloodshed. So like all the guys, you know, in the room, you know, or some of the more aggressive ladies, you know, if violence and bloodshed are, are your thing, Joshua is a good book to read. Um, but there's there's a couple of hints. What I want to focus on, because we could talk about the history of Joshua. We, I, like I can get out maps. Uh, you know, we can go into like the tell of Jerusalem and the architecture of when the walls fell, what actually happened when the walls fell. Um, if you would ever like to talk about that, I am your guy because I get nerdy about it. But what I want to really focus on is how Joshua heard from the Lord. Throughout the entire book, there's, there's four main sections. The first section is Joshua being typed as the new Moses. We start off with Joshua 1. Um, let's just go ahead and read it. So if you've got your Bible, slip there or uh, open up your phone. I went to the gym the other night, and uh, my coach asked me if I had a Bible with me. I was like, no, not on me, but I've got one on my phone. He's like, they have Bibles on your phone? Like, yes. It's a brave new world. We have Bibles on our phones. Um, so Joshua 1, one. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever wherever you set your foot will be the land that I have given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hivites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you be strong and courageous for you are the one that will lead these people to possess the land that I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Don't deviate from them turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. Then you'll be sure to obey everything that's written in it. Only then will you be able to prosper and succeed in all you do. This is is my command to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I want to kick off by saying that. Nice. Joshua is typecast as the new Moses. The old Moses is dead, and we have a new leader over the Israelites that are about to lead the people into the promised land. The reason why Joshua was chosen to be be the leader of Israel was because, A, he was Moses' assistant, so, you know, sometimes, you know, whatever. Sometimes it it pays, well, uh, whatever. There's no way for me to to say what I was going to say and it not sound political, even though that I wouldn't want it to be political, but... Imagine that I said something really witty. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. So he was Moses' assistant, and he was one of the spies that got sent into Israel, or sent into the promised land. And when he came out of the promised land, he's like, yeah, there's giants in the land, but man, our God is really strong. He's really powerful. Um, Do you remember how many spies Moses sent into the land? sent 12 spies into the land and 10 were bad. And how many were good? Two. So 10 were bad and two were good. Joshua and Caleb were the two spies that came out with a favorable report. So when they came in to the, to the wilderness wanderings, Joshua and Caleb had to sit there and go, told you so. You know, I, I doubt that they were like that, but I would have been. So they came out with a good report. Joshua proved himself to be faithful. So uh, God moved the promise that he gave Moses and the people of Israel and reminded Joshua again, by the way, I'm going to be with you just the same thing that I promised Moses. I'm never going to leave you or abandon you. There's going to be no foe that's going to be able to stand in front of you. Everything that I promised Moses and the people of Israel, I promise again, I'm going to do through you then what is the command that the Lord gives? The command is not you need to quit your sin and you need to you know, not eat lobster. You need to, you know, all the law parts. The command of the Lord to Joshua was pretty simple. Be strong and courageous. Don't give in to fear and dismay. Why in the world would the Lord have to command Joshua multiple times just in these first few verses to not be afraid? Because when you're walking into a new season, it is terrifying and your heart naturally runs towards fear and dismay. I don't know if anybody is like Chicken Little, like when my world is falling apart, my world is falling apart, and I am usually unconsolable. I'm not really dramatic about that, but everything's falling apart on the inside. But notice how Joshua heard from the Lord. It it starts off, after the death of Moses, da-da-da-da-da, the Lord said to Joshua. So we start off the book with this personal interaction that Joshua is having with the Lord. Now, I know that 90% of the people in this room is like, yeah, that would be nice to be able to pray and go, Lord, what's your opinion? And him go, thus saith the Lord to Laurie, go and do this. I'm like, well, thank you. Like, can you just give me a list? Because a lot of the times it's like, Lord, are you there? Are my prayers getting above the ceiling? So, we do one of two things. We either act like the Lord is not there and we just walk away from our faith. Even if we don't walk away from the church, we walk away from the Lord being a presence in our life because, you know, it's a morality code. You know, Christianity is, you know, better than some other morality codes. You know, it would be hard to follow the code of Hammurabi in America today. So, you know, Christianity is a good ethos. So, we have all these people. Obviously, nobody here, but we have all these people in the church in America today that are just going through the motions. They don't actually have a relationship with the Lord because when you talk to the Lord, he doesn't talk back. So it's like, well, or, you know, we have these people that put it into their theology like, well, the Lord doesn't do that anymore. He did it in the Old Testament because we didn't have the Bible. But once we have the Bible, then the Lord stopped Speaking to his people. But the first thing that I want to communicate is it is natural for the followers of the Lord to have a dialogue with the Lord. That I am communicating things to him, he is communicating things back to me. And the truth is, the Lord is communicating to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Heaven is a remember, oh, I say, remember when the TV channels used to turn off? That blew my mind. Like at 11 o'clock, the TV just turned off. And, you know, of course, we can't have that now because you've got to be fed a constant stream of what you're supposed to be angry or afraid about. But TV used to just turn off. Well, the the radio signal that's coming out of heaven towards you never shuts off, ever. Now, the the trick is how do we become aware of what the Lord is saying to us? Because he's always talking. You're always hearing a voice in your head. It's just so natural for you to hear from the Lord that you write it off as, well, yeah, well, it was just intuition, or I just made that up, or it was just a weird dream. So through the rest of the month, we're going to be talking about some practical tips on how do we tune in and dial into, I think the Lord's saying this, but the, the foundation to all of it that I want to communicate, the, the Lord is talking to you. And as believers, we need to have this relationship where it's not abnormal for it to say, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spake to Justin. Lord, what are you saying? Well, what did he say here? The, the the next thing that I want to mention is that what God is communicating, so God is communicating personally to Joshua, He's speaking directly to Joshua. But what's he talking about? Well, first he is reaffirming his promise. That the Lord is going to do what the Lord said he is going to do. And he builds Joshua up. Be strong and be courageous. Don't give in to fear or dismay. So what is the Lord communicating into our life? He is communicating who he is and who you are. So a lot of the times we, we don't understand the Lord talking to us because we will go, okay, God, I need to pay my light bill, and they're about to come shut it off. So three, two, one, go. Give me how to pay my light bill. And that that's just not what's on the radar or what's on the radio in heaven that day. The vast majority, I'm not saying that he doesn't communicate how to how to. You know, meet our needs. But the vast majority of what heaven is communicating to us is who God is. I have promised this to your fathers. I've promised this to your grandfathers. I promised this to Moses. I'm promising this to you. It is a a constant stream of what heaven has decided concerning you. And for us, it is the gospel. So if you're wanting to dial in on what the Lord is communicating to you today, it is the gospel. That God is not mad at you. He, is not, he was in Christ, pulling the entire world to himself, no longer counting the world's sins against it, that the Lord has forgiven all of your sin debt. That's what heaven is communicating. And then the Lord is communicating who you are. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why did he tell that to Joshua? Because he wasn't strong and courageous? Of course Joshua was strong and courageous. He wouldn't have done what he had done in the past were he to not be strong and courageous. So the Lord is communicating what is already true of Joshua, O mighty man of valor that he said to to Gideon as he was hiding at a a well. So heaven is communicating personally to us, but what is heaven communicating? Heaven is communicating who God is and who you are. Notice something else that, uh, that God told Joshua. He said, hey, this book of the law, this book of scripture, you need to meditate on it day and night. Be careful to read the book of instruction so that you don't deviate from it left and right. Um, None of us are good at reading the Bible. Nobody on this stage has ever been flawless on reading the Bible. I go through times where it's like, oh yeah, Bible. Don't ever feel bad for you getting out of the habit of reading the Bible because it's, like, it's, um, it's one of those things in addiction recovery that once you fall off the wagon, like once you eat that Little Debbie snack, there's a temptation like, well, I'll just eat 50. Or I've been sober for a year and a half. Well, I had one drink. Might as well have 50. There's the temptation of once you've fallen off the wagon, you know, live it up. So when you notice, hey, it's been a bit since I've read the Bible, don't ever feel condemned over that. Don't ever feel, oh, gosh, I don't know where to start. Well, I'm going to have to start in Genesis and just barrel my way through it. Who cares what happened in the past? Go get your Bible out today. And if all you can do is read a verse, go try to read a verse. If all you can do is watch a YouTube video, watch a YouTube video. There's nobody here for you to impress of like, I read 15 chapters today. Nobody cares. That will not impress anybody. You memorizing all the Bible verses and able to quote things you know, verbatim, nobody cares. The important thing, meditate on the word. And remember, the Bible is not the word. Jesus is the word. But we have our Bible with us that reflects Jesus so if you are lost in a daze and you can't hear what the Lord is saying to you, crack open your Bible. It is meat to your bones. So the Lord is wanting to have a personal relationship with you, wanting to communicate personally to you. What is he communicating? He's communicating who he is, who you are. Good place to start? Meditate on scripture. Don't just read through it like, you know, like I'm running through a marathon. Meditate. Meditate. If, you, if all you can do is meditate on one verse, meditate on one verse. Let's bump down to the next, um, the next chapter. Joshua retells the, the rest of Israel what God told him. said, prepare yourselves. We're about to go into this land. Secretly, Joshua sent out two spies because in his history of sending spies into the land, two seemed like a whole lot better number than twelve. So Joshua sent out two spies into the land. They went and scouted out the uh, city of Jericho, ran into a prostitute named Rahab. Rahab hid the Israeli spies in her house, and she communicated to the people, for the last 40 years, we have been terrified of you. The entire land of Canaan, the promised land, is quaking in their boots because the Israelites have been wandering around in the desert. We knew that you were going to break in through our defenses one day, but we never knew when it was. Think about, um, mom would talk to me about like, when they would do like the air raid drills for like the atomic bombs. Um, And I'm not, I mean, we never did air raid drills, but you talked about that in school of like, hey, guys, we don't have anything to worry about. We're so close to Oak Ridge, we'll never even know what happened. And it's like, well, that's a terrifying thing to say to a five-year-old. And mom said that, you know, she knew as a kid that getting under that school wooden desk, like, what is this supposed to do? And that fear of, At any point in time, the bomb could drop. Think about that the land of Canaan was experiencing that fear for 40 years. You know what weird fear does to you? It makes you distrustful of everybody that's around you. Um, It's what we did with with the commies. The commies are invading the land, and so everybody was a part of the Red Scare. You staying in a constant state of fear will make enemies out of everybody. I mean, you just look at it right now. You turn on the news, 50% of this nation, the other 50% is the enemy. You better not eat dinner with them weirdo Republicans. You better not eat dinner with those weirdo liberals. They're the enemy. They're seeking to tear you apart. Well, 90% of it is just, I mean, that's just Bob. He's not trying to tear me apart. He's not trying to steal my goats. It's Bob. Bob. But Canaan experienced this fear forever. Now, when the spies went into the land and heard that the entire nation was quaking in their boots from Israel, they showed back up to Joshua. and was like, so we have a report. And Joshua is going, are we about to go through another 40 years in the desert? Like, is this a good report or a bad report? It's a good report. Joshua 2, 23, then the two spies came from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, reported to Joshua all that had happened. They said, the Lord has given us the whole land, and all the people in this land are terrified of us. So as God is communicating to you, sometimes we are unaware of what he is saying to us. So we have to get a group of people around us. Are we where we need to be? And the people that are the closest to you? Yeah. Yeah. What's the Lord saying to you? This? Okay. Let me go ask somebody else. What's the Lord saying to you? This? I can't tell you the number of times that just over the last few months, that somebody will bring something up to me and then somebody else will bring up the exact same thing and then somebody will say, I had a dream the other night and it was the exact same thing. So when I'm, I'm looking to figure out what the Lord is saying, because by the way, I don't have a radio. There's no red bat phone in my office that connects directly to heaven. I'm wandering around in the dark just the same as you are. But when I hear all of my friends and all of the people that I trust their relationship with the Lord start saying similar things, I can go, okay, It is easier for me to trust the Lord communicating to me through my friendships. So that that second thing that the Lord is saying, he's wanting to talk to me directly, but he's also wanting to talk to me through somebody else. The problem that we run into is that we do not exist in community like we should. I don't talk about the things that are going on in my life. So I don't get to interact with the spies that are coming to give me a good report because I don't make friends with them. Now this is coming from an introvert. I am introverted as the day is long. I am social here and I'm social at the gym. The rest, you know, but the 18 hours of my day, I spend in silence and by myself. And it's everything you thought it could be and more. I don't have puppies at home, I don't have kids at home, and it's just like I go home. And it's silent and it's glorious. I recommend it to everybody. So just because you might be introverted, don't use that as an excuse to not make connections. You don't have to be friends with everybody. Joshua had two spies. Get you two people that you can actually talk about real things with. When you come into church, even like we're a smaller congregation, you can barely say hi to everybody on a Sunday morning. Can't talk about the things that are really going on. When we break down in small groups and we have 10 people in a room, we can't talk to everybody. It's it's all I can do with like the, the five closest people to me to be able to be honest and communicating what's in my heart to the people that are closest to me. So don't think that you have to have a relationship with everybody in the room, but dear God, find somebody in the room. Somebody that you don't live with. Say, hey, this is what I'm praying for. So, the Lord saying anything to you? And then be okay with them going, no. <laughs> okay, it's worth a shot. So the Lord's wanting to talk to me. What is he wanting to talk to me about? Who he is, who I am. And a good place to kick that off is to meditate into scripture. And if you want a practical way on how to hear the voice of the Lord, you need to go make friends with people and you need to talk about serious things with your friends. Then Joshua hears this good report and he goes out to the nation of Israel and goes, guys, you ready? Now think, this is a group of people that have been wandering around in the desert for 40 years waiting for one thing to happen, for them to cross the Jordan River. So they get to the Jordan River in harvest time. So it would be about this time of year. And the Jordan had overflowed its banks. Now, if you go to the Jordan River now, it's like this little snake of a thing. And it's a nasty river. Because they're using, like, the Jordan River is the only river in Israel. So they use it. It's the only freshwater resource. They irrigate all of their fields from the Jordan River. So by the time it gets down to the Red Sea, it's just, ugh, it's like dried dirt, like being poured into the, uh, into the Dead Sea. But there wasn't whole farms of irrigation back then. And as the snow falls on Mount Hermon, and through the summer months, that snow melts, and gully washers start screaming off of Mount Hermon and overflow the Jordan River banks. Now think about like if we went to the Mississippi, it was like, all right, well, we need to go across it. I don't like crossing the Mississippi Bridge. <sighs> Has anyone ever been to New Orleans, been uh, across Lake Pontchartrain and that bridge that goes across that entire lake? It is an existential crisis every time I go across it because it's like, well, I'm an hour away from every shore. What, and it's a two lane bridge. What happens if one person runs out of gas? <sighs> sweaty just thinking about it. Well, the nation of Israel is standing in front of this water. They're like, well, how in the world are we supposed to cross that? So Joshua goes, well, we've got that Ark of the Covenant thing. So they sent the Ark of the Covenant on the back of the priest into the water. And it said, as soon as the priest were in the Jordan River, it stopped flowing. Now the Red Sea is not a flow. So the Red Sea parted left and right. And so you had a huge wall on the left and a huge wall on the right. Now the Jordan River is a A river. So it stopped at the Ark of the Covenant and then the river went dry underneath it. So Joshua was like go. So the nation of Israel again baptized through water out of slavery but also again into the promised land. And the first Israelites started setting foot as a part of the nation on their promised land. Think about what is going on in the minds of these people. Well, Joshua earlier that day, because the Lord had told him to do this, picked 12 guys and was like, when you cross through the river, find you a big stinking rock and carry it with you. Now, I think that that is something that is born in the heart of every person. Like when you go to a river, for some reason, it's the easiest thing. Like, that's a nice rock. Or like you send your kids out and then they come home with rocks in their pockets. Why? Like, my poor mother. Like, she wouldn't go through my pockets, and so, like, washing machine and the dryer, because I'd have rocks all in my pockets. They, these 12 men picked up these rocks out of the bottom of the Jordan River, walked over to the other side, and built an altar to remind them, where did those rocks come from, Grandpa? They came from that river. How did you get them from the river? Well when the Lord brought us into this land, when the Lord brought your great, 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 whatever grandfather into this land, there was somebody that came through that picked up a rock and brought it over to the edge. One of the reasons why we don't, why we're not aware of what the Lord has done in our heart is because we forget what he did in the past and we don't make these memorial stones of what he's done so if you're having a hard time hearing what the Lord is saying to you right now, start reminding yourself, start reminding your friends, start reminding your, your your family what he did last year. What did he do the year before? What did he do the decade before? Remember when your kid was sick and in the hospital and you prayed and all of a sudden he got better. Remember when you thought, you know, the bank was coming to get your house and then oh, that check showed up at the last minute. The reason why I started going to church, Debbie Holmes, uh, came over to my grandmother's house. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't believe in the Lord. I went to church because my grandmother emotionally manipulated me and said that she was feeble and needed help going into the into the church. I just need somebody to help me through. Now, she had a full-time job until she was 86. She didn't need my help, but she emotionally manipulated me into the church, and it worked. Because how do you say no to grandma? So my grandmother's friend would come over and Debbie Holmes is Debbie Holmes. And I thought that she was a crazy person. And so she came up to me. She, she would talk to this invisible person. Imagine if one of your friends came over and said that they had a relationship with the tooth fairy. That's great. Weirdo. So she came up to me and was like, Justin, I'm going to be praying for you this week. What do you want me to pray about? Well, Debbie, you pray that I get $1,000. I was at 11 or 12 so, you pray that I get $1,000 this week. She's like, You got it. Okay, crazy lady. So, the next day, I kid you not, the next day, there is a check that shows up that there was a, a refund with my grandmother's insurance or something like that. And there was a check that showed up for $300. And Granny was like, That's kind of cool. It's like, Okay. Hey. Debbie was off. <laughs> Maybe she needed to pray a little bit harder. That Friday, we got an insurance check on some water damage that we got for plumbing. I kid you not, for $700. And I remember bringing the mail in and sitting at my grandmother's dining room table with the $300 check and the $700 check and going, okay. I didn't have any big dramatic, like, come to the altar, start crying. It was just a, oh, oh, okay. Could have been a coincidence. We could be making all this up and it's all a coincidence. That is very possible. But for some reason, that was my, oh, well, I mean, $1,000 showed up. Prayed for $1,000 and $1,000 showed up. Now, I have prayed multiple times for multiple thousands of dollars after that, and it's not shown up, but it was that one time of that is a memorial stone in me of like, well, I don't know about what's happening now, but God did this in the past. So if you're wondering about what God is communicating to you, start reminding yourself of what he did in the past. They get over onto the other side of the river. They renew their covenant and they celebrate Passover. The reason why we have the Lord's Supper, the reason why we have communion is because it is a type and a shadow of the Passover meal that they gathered together and shared. God brought us out of the land of Egypt. And today, if you show up at a Passover meal today, They will say, it is as if, we tell the story as if every generation was the generation that came out of Egypt. So they built memorial stones, and then they sat down and started recounting, remember when Pharaoh had us enslaved. Didn't have them enslaved, had their grandparents enslaved. Remember when Pharaoh had us enslaved, and the Lord had this mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and he rescued us from Egypt. And you can feel like the, he rescued us before surely he can rescue us again. So if you're wondering about what the Lord is saying, get with your group of friends that you've got and start recounting what the Lord has done, even if it's not to you. If you don't have any stories, what did the Lord do to your grandfather? Do you have any heritage that the Lord did something to your people, brought you out of slavery, freed you from the famine? All of us are here because we survived the Irish potato famine. I mean, not all of us, but the vast majority of us. If you're here and you're Irish, (laughs) we made it. There's a lot of people that didn't. Recount the Lord's stories of how he delivered our people with your friends, and that will prime the pump for more things to start flowing out. Last point, and it's one of the weirdest sections in the Bible. They're recounting the Lord's covenant and this Passover meal, And then uh, well, I'll just read it. "Joshua 5:13." When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. He is invading a foreign nation, and looked up and saw a man with a sword in his hand. It's like, "Well, oh no. Think that Joshua might have had a sword. Like here, you can go to a pawn shop and go pick up a sword. But remember, this is not in the Iron Age. It's hard to make a metal sword. They probably had bronze swords at best. That's why it says that David threw a rock at Goliath because it was hard. Where did David get a sword? He got it from Goliath because David didn't have a sword. He sees a man with a sword in his hand. Automatically, this this is somebody, a ranking person in an army. Oh, no. There's a guy with a sword in his hand. He went up to him and demanded, are you my friend or or my foe? Neither, he replied, like, oh, great. Are you on my side or their side? I'm not on sides. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want my servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. And Joshua did as he's told. And next week we'll get into that next chapter, but he doesn't say anything else other than this. This is the only interaction with, I think that it was an angel or the pre-incarnate Christ that Joshua had an interaction with. But notice that Joshua was like, are you on my side or their side? And the angel, the commander of the Lord's army goes, neither might I introduce that into our political spectrum? Jesus, are you Republican or Democrat? Funny. I'm not on anybody's side. The Lord determines the side. So if I am trying to figure out what the Lord is saying to me, I need to ask myself, am I trying to convince the Lord to come do what I need him to do? I need to convince you to pick my side, you're mad at one of your friends, and so you pray. Like, when I was a um, chaplain for the football team, the kids would ask me all the time, do you pray that we win tonight? I'm like, no. I promise you the Lord does not care about your high school football game. Well, he cares about the football game. He doesn't care who wins. I prayed that they could still add when they were 80. That's what I was concerned about, like them not walking off the field with you know, massive amounts of concussions, the Lord is not on the Cookville Cavalier side or the, well, if it's between us and Sparta, the Lord might pick us. Ah, it's a joke. But the Lord is not picking football teams. He's not picking soccer teams. He's not picking Republican or Democrat. He's not picking Israel or South Africa. The Lord is not picking any of our sides. When you have a dispute with your wife or, or one of your friends, It is easy for us to to be praying and and to ask the Lord to pick my side. The Lord is not on anybody's side. The question that's posed to me is, do I abandon my pretenses? Do I abandon my inability to forgive? Do I abandon my tribal rivalry and pick the Lord's side? Because if we do that, and we'll see that next week, if we get on his game plan, things go really great. If I invent my own game plan and ask the Lord to bless it, things go off the rails really quickly. And a lot of the reasons why we don't, we're, well, we're not aware of what the Lord is communicating to us is because the Lord's saying, this, this, this. And we're going, la, 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 la. I want to go here, Lord. Here. No, here. Love people. If you see somebody that's hungry, feed them. Somebody's thirsty, give them something to drink. I'd rather hit them with a sign that tells them that they shouldn't be doing things that I want them to not do. Yeah, but I need you to love your enemy. I want to hit them with a car. I need you to be loving on the people in your church. They're dumb. So the reason why I am not in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying is because I keep on wanting to go this direction while the Lord is whispering this direction. And the most frustrating thing about it is that he will let me wander in the desert as long as I want. And he won't change his tune. This. He's resilient like that. So the Lord is wanting to have a conversation with you, a two-way dialogue, a relationship with you. What is he wanting to talk about? Primarily, he wants to talk about who he is and who you are, identity-level things. So I need to be able to listen to that. good place to start is in Scripture, and then get a few friends around you. When you've got those friends around you, start recounting the Lord's history with you or with them or your grandmother or your great-great-grandmother, or bare minimum, hey, we survived the potato famine. If we can start there, that's at least some place to start. Because even if you don't have any stories of the Lord rescuing you, we start today and we start building up those stories for our kids and our grandkids. My parents might not have any cool stories about God rescuing them. I can do that now. I can do that in the future. And... Once I'm recounting what the Lord's doing to make sure that I'm okay to leave my agenda and to focus on him. So let's go ahead and stand up.